Hi, welcome to Chosen Voices, a podcast created by Chosen Vessels, Inc., seeking to encourage, equip, and empower leaders in ministry around the globe. I'm your host, Becca Baxter, and I serve as the Executive Director of Chosen Vessels. My co-host is Autumn Bedingfield, who serves as our Director of Educational Services at CV. In this crazy season of life that we're all living in, we wanted to find a way to provide resources to the leaders that we serve on a daily basis. And so we've started this podcast to share their stories and also resources with them, um, different topics like Sabbath or being emotionally and spiritually healthy. And so we are so excited to put these resources in the hands of our leaders. So today we're just going to dive right in. Um, And part of what we want to do on this podcast is we want to share resources with our leaders for sure, but we also want to share their stories um, so that everyone listening can hear how um, people got where they're going. And so the first story that we really want to share is the story of Becca and how she started Chosen Vessels and how she started this crazy nonprofit that helps and equips people all over. Um, So I just thought it was really important to share her story first and foremost. Um, So a little background on us. Um, we're giggling trying to get through this because we're friends first and then co-workers second. So it's kind of, you know, you know how that is. Um, so Becca and I met at Barry College. We um, had some mutual friends. I was a freshman. She was a sophomore. And so we started hanging out some and she wanted to lead me in a discipleship group, which was really cool. I grew a lot. But on one of our very first meetings, okay, and let me tell you something about Becca if you don't know her. She very much downplays her abilities and is like super casual about like all the cool things she's done in life. And so, I mean, I'm not like that. Like I haven't done much cool stuff. So like I I live up the things that That's I have. And so Becca and I are opposite on that. So when I say that she's super humble and chill about this whole nonprofit thing, like I mean it. Um, so during my freshman year, we decided that we were going to go out to get coffee. And we went to the the coolest coffee shop in Rome, Georgia. And Rome's not very big. So there's not much competition. Uh, We went to Swift and Finch. Um, That's what it was called. And so we were sitting down and we ordered our drinks. Yes, lattes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I asked Becca, I was like, well, where do you want to sit? And she just picked this one little table near the front. And we sat down and she was like, like, she like brushed her hand over the table, like in like a, you know, Imagine it. She just like brushed her hand over this table and uh, she just looked at me and she's like, I like this table. And I was like, okay. I all don't right. remember this at all. I was like, weirdo? Like, cool. And she was like, no, like, this table was the table that I had my first board meeting at with my Chosen Vessels board of directors and um, trustees and whatever the lingo is. Um, so she was telling me, and I just sat there with my caramel latte, and I was like, what the heck is this girl talking about? <laughs> She's talking about board of directors and a nonprofit, and then she pulled out her laptop and showed me this, like, permit that she had gotten to start running a nonprofit, and I was like, who are you? <laughs> 
Who are you? You're one year, barely a year older than me, and you've already accomplished so much in life. And so then I think for the next, like, two hours, I was like, what is your deal? Like, tell me where you got this idea. Tell me who you are. Who are you, Becca Baxter? And so that's what we want to answer today. So I'm going to interview you, and I'm going to figure out who you are. Okay. So I'm still a little bit unsure. And I need to get to the bottom of it. So take us through your journey with Chosen Vessels and kind of let's go back all the way to where it really started, which I think you shared is Romania. So let's Mm -hmm. jump back to Romania and just talk about your background with ministry and Mm -hmm. missions. Yeah. So my first cross-cultural trip was to Ghana and then... Um, after that, I went to Romania and I had no idea where Romania was, even on a map. I was not sure if it was a country, but someone had mentioned, hey, do you want to go to Romania? And I first said yes. And second said, where's Romania and what is Romania? <laughs> and Romania is a beautiful country in Eastern Europe. And so that next summer, we were going to be doing a summer camp for some kids from an orphanage. Um, and so we were going away to this beautiful Romanian farmland and these kids climbed off the bus and um, we had a week that was really, really hard. It was not at all what I expected out of missions, even having um, experience in Ghana. Um, it was just disappointment after disappointment all week long. And I was really discouraged. And at the end of the week, the kids got right back on the bus and went right back to their situation. Um, And so part of me was wondering if missions really mattered, if there really was a difference that could be made with short-term ministry, um, short-term missions ministry. Um, And I came home not really sure that that was true. And so the Lord really walked me through a process between that trip and the next summer when I went back after I said I was never going back and I wanted nothing to do with missions or ministry Um, And I went back and the Lord began to redeem that for me and start the dream of Chosen Vessels. So I think that's a really cool story, especially since um, a lot of people, especially on their first few mission trips, I feel like walk away with a really like pumped up sense of spirituality and they feel really encouraged and like Mm -hmm. they just feel really motivated, I guess. And so for you to say that you know, that wasn't your experience Mm -hmm. and like you birthed a whole nonprofit about missions from sort of a discouraging negative experience Mm -hmm. is like something that I really think people might resonate with when they think about ministries and things that they've been through. So like, what were some of the discouraging things that you experienced Mm -hmm. um, that kind of made you walk away, just kind of confused in general? Yeah, I think primarily it was thinking that I wasn't making a difference, Um, thinking that there was nothing that was going to continue after I left. And that just wasn't true because um, what I began to realize is that there are local leadership in different places that are running ministry full time that are investing in these places. And so um, that was probably the primary thing was wondering if I was actually making a difference. Um, The next thing was having to deal with poverty and hopelessness up close and wondering if I could justify in my mind that a good God could exist with such poverty and hopelessness. And so 
naturally, I think it is in the Christian walk at some point you have to come to that reconciliation that there can be a good God and evil in the world. Um, but that doesn't make it easy to process. And at the time I was in, I was a junior in high school. And so it all still, still felt very new and fresh. And it was really my first experience having to reconcile natural evil um, and moral evil existing in the world and what that looks like on a poverty um, basis. So those are probably the two major things. Okay. So you said, and I got it backwards, but you went to Ghana first. Mm-hmm. Your first trip when you were 14? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you went when you were 14. And so what, like, what was your experience with Ghana like? If Romania kind of left you a little bit deflated, like, what was that first initial mission trip experience? It was a lot like what you're describing, that first experience of excitement. Um, and I remember being excited from the moment the plane hit the ground. I just wept with excitement and um, the door opened on the plane and it was the hottest thing I've ever experienced. And you've experienced that too, having gone, but that door opens on the plane and the heat just floods the space. Um, And all week long, that trip was really engaging local leadership. And so we were hearing these incredible testimonies of God rescuing and reconciling these people. And then they turned around and did something with that and went and were investing in their communities. And so there was such hope for the future and for what was already happening in Ghana that um, I also had to wrestle with, okay, is short-term trips, like, are they necessary? If this is already happening and these people are so full of hope and so full of kindness and fervor for the Lord, then, um, so that was kind of the question I went home then was, if all this is happening, is it still worth it? Um, but then going to Romania, um, I really struggled with a spirit of hopelessness. Um, and that was probably the main difference. <laughs> so, so what, what is the spiritual state of Romania? Like, like if you had to describe it maybe in three words, like what would you say the spiritual atmosphere of Romania is like? Um, I think it depends on where you go. And, um, you know, there are rock solid believers that are living and serving and um, are incredible. And there's also great poverty and desperation in a lot of places. Um, And so, and that's spiritual and emotional poverty, not just um, economic poverty as there is everywhere, but um there is definitely an interesting climate. Most of Romania is um, Orthodox, Romanian Orthodox. And so there's a long history of the Orthodox Church, and that's created a very interesting dynamic um, that I don't have all the knowledge to speak on, you know, <laughs> why that affects everything. But um, it is a really interesting mix of non-denominational Orthodox Church and then people that um have withdrawn from the church and the religious ideas um, surrounding Christianity. So, Gotcha. So my question, this is a question I had when we were sitting in the coffee shop and it's, I'm going to ask it to you today. So at the ripe young age of what, how old are you when you started Chosen Vessels? Uh, when you, when you had the first idea, how old were you? 17. Okay. And when you like got it, like situated and like you were really going to do it. How old were you? 18. 
18. And then when you got your nonprofit, like that little document that said you are a nonprofit, uh-huh. we were like two months later. Okay. Yeah. So 18 years old and you start a nonprofit, which is crazy. And it's like, I'm looking at you and I'm like, you know, that feeling when you're sitting there and you're watching the Olympics and like, you're watching like a 15 year old, like win the gold medal. And you're just like, oh, I watched three hours of Netflix today. <laughs> um, this is the feeling I had when I first talked to you about chosen vessels, but at the age of 18, why go through the trouble? Why did you feel it was necessary to go through the trouble of starting your own ministry? Mm-hmm. When you could have just, you know, gone really deep with another person's already pre-established ministry or volunteered a lot. So why was it so important to you to start Chosen Vessels? I think there was a mix of things. One might have been my pride that was <laughs> pushing me to do it on my own um, and that desire to do it um, my own way. But at the same time, it really started out of wanting to um, continue ministry in Romania. And so that was the beginning focus of it. And it was for serving one specific group of leaders in a village in Romania. And so, um, it seemed very directed and like, it would be easier to start a nonprofit and go ahead and do that rather than trying to infiltrate somewhere else. Um, and there've been pros and cons of that, um, starting your own thing, um, building the support base, building, um, and support base financially, but also relationally support base and the repertoire to build up. And we're still working on that um, is really challenging. And so sometimes I think it would have been a lot easier, um, but there's also challenges with going somewhere else and learning to work um, in a different type of environment for a different organization that's already established. There's challenges everywhere, but probably a mix between realizing at the moment that it was a very directed ministry towards one group um, and seeing that, but also just that desire to build something. Um, and yeah, the desire to build something. So if you build it, they will come. (laughs) Don't know what movies that's from. (laughs) Um, that's amazing. But yeah, Olympic gold medalist right there. (laughs) I have to say that I'm like your BFF. So I have to be on board. (laughs) And amp you up. Um, But yeah, so it's, Becca's story is so cool. And I just like the commitment you put into it is huge. So like what, I'm going to try to backtrack. So you started when you're 18, Mm -hmm. started working on this, got your document that said you are officially a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And then you were in college for four Mm -hmm. years um, at Barry and graduated with a degree in religion. Mm -hmm and minor in business. Mm -hmm. And then you decided you and your husband, Brady, were going to be super faithful and you're going to dedicate this next phase of your life rather than going in, um, working for someone else. Like you said, you're going to commit all your time to schooling and growing in your knowledge and growing Chosen Vessels. Mm -hmm. So what did Chosen Vessels look like when you first started and where do you see it going now that you're working full time with it? Yeah, when we first started, it was really um, isolated to the summer months because obviously I was in full-time school and well, I stayed in full-time school, but it looked different, <laughs> um, but in college. And so it was really isolated towards the summer months of ministry, whether that was um, gathering short-term teams and raising money for that or raising project money, um, like for a kindergarten that was started in a village. Um, so it was really directed towards those summer months. Now, um, 
it's a lot different than it was. Um, we serve 25 leaders on a monthly basis. Um, some of them we serve biweekly and weekly, but 25 leaders are in our monthly service basis. And so we have individual care of persons meetings for them. Um, and it looks different. We're in Romania and Ghana, um, as well as caring for individuals in Indonesia and Cuba. And so those ministries that are, they're all very different. Um, and so there's lots of different needs, but really walking with those leaders um, in daily life. And that is a great privilege um, with big projects that we do during the summer, like a summer camp for 50 teens that we did last year. That was um, a larger project kind of outside of um, our individual leader care, a dream from a leader. So these are all things that we raise money for and provide support for. They're all um, usually dreams that were have been desired by the leaders that we support and care for um, and try to find ways to help execute those things. So. Yeah, and I think that's a huge component that people don't really think of when they think of ministry and uh, overseas missions Mm -hmm. is that, I don't want to say uniquely, but Chosen Vessels does take every idea straight from the pastors and the missionaries who are on the ground Mm -hmm. in these countries. Um, And I know that was a huge incentive of why you wanted to start Chosen Mm -hmm. Vessels and a huge need that you saw when you went to Ghana and Romania in your first few trips, you want to speak to what you had seen missions looking like and um, why that's such a big part of Chosen Vessels to take what the leaders themselves see. Well, first of all, people that are on the ground and that are nationals of those countries, they know their community far better than any outsider could ever know. And so there's a part that we have to recognize that, um, God has uniquely designed and called people all over the world for his glory and for his, for his work. And so um, for in Romania specifically, I'll speak to that sitting down with this leadership team that had started their church and their village um, and realizing they knew their people and their needs better than anybody could. And so when I asked them like, what is it that I can do to support and care for you? Um, one of the ladies said, we are hungry for relationship. And she could have asked me for anything in the world. And she asked me for relationship and discipleship. And so realizing that that connection of community was so important. And so caring for them directly was going to be how to transform their communities. Um, and so their dreams and the things that they are dreaming of with the Lord um, are awesome. Like they are truly amazing. And speaking like of Harrison, um, my first trip to Ghana, Harrison was actually at the leadership conference that we were putting on. And it was really focused on um, encouraging them for community engagement of their own community. Um, and Harrison took that and he went um, and started his own ministry that he has now um, that he serves the Bible club students. And so it is really important to me um, that we recognize um, the power of the Holy Spirit to move in all people um, and the qualifications that um, they have because it is their own community. And so that is why we are focused on caring for those that are on the ground in their own communities. Yeah. And Harrison's one of the local pastors that we're really close with. Close with. Um, so we have a real, I have a soft spot for Harrison. <laughs> so it's so cool to hear his story and y'all will hear his story in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go through a lot of these leaders' stories and let them tell you their own side of ministry too. 
Um, but yeah, I think that is the heart of chosen vessels. If I had to summarize, would be to pour into the local missionaries mm-hmm. who are in their own communities, serving the needs that they see fit, um, and just supporting them in ways that maybe they aren't um, comfortable with yet or don't have the resources for. And so, chosen vessels really goes in and supports all of those aspects. Um, so I think if people aren't familiar with missions, they might think that a mission trip is just going in with hammer and nails and maybe building something or doing a project or putting on a summer camp. So what does maybe like a typical or average um, mission trip with chosen vessels look like? It's a lot of quality time with our leaders. Um, we have had a couple trips where we've done things like at the kindergarten that needed to be done um, that were project-based, but a lot of it is um, Sozo ministry, we've done Sozo, which is um, a prayer ministry tool that we've used, um, counseling, um, relational care. We've talked about um, taking teachings on burnout um, how to continue to do ministry well, building ministry teams, um, really walking with those aspects of what it looks like to form your own ministry, um, and how to organize that as well as how to care for yourself. Um, and so that's what it looks like. It's a lot of conversation, a lot of really sweet time. We play games and have time for Sabbath and rest and play too, um, to kind of, show an example of what it looks like to take time to play and have fun together too. So, Yeah. And I've been, um, I've been on other trips, but I've been on one trip with chosen vessels specifically. And we went to Ghana and I can affirm that a lot of the time is just spent loving on the people who are on the ground. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, um, in other countries, some overseas missions, they do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and they do not rest and they don't take as many breaks as they probably should for their own health. And so it's really important that people are caring for them as much as they care for their whole communities. Um, and I can speak to Harrison in Ghana specifically. He cares for tons and tons of people. Um, And so just to have a team of people that is specifically focused on Harrison, asking him, hey, what do you need right now? What are the things that you're lacking in right now? Um, And he's just the type of person that if someone asks him for something, he's going to give to them. And that's so amazing that God has given him that generosity. But um, I think Chosen Vessel is just the heartbeat of it is to make sure that Harrison and um, some of the other leaders, they're being cared for and that someone is supporting them. Because like you said, you could go for a week and you could do projects and you could um, pray over some people, but unless someone's there long-term, then the effect in the community won't be as reached, but to affect and help the leaders there that can reach a whole ton more people than we could do from sitting here in Georgia. So chosen vessels is such a cool ministry in the way that they care for leaders. So yeah. And, you know, project-directed uh, missions are not inherently bad. Um, you know, those are really great things. Um, I have just seen in my own personal experience that um, working directly with community leaders is effective in discipleship and evangelism and also a great need that many people in ministry around the globe have. And so we fit in that little spot, um, that sweet spot of filling that need, hopefully. Yeah. And y'all do it so beautifully. Um, I think all your leaders would definitely affirm that. 
Um, so yeah. yeah. Well, you have any fun stories you want to share? Oh, <laughs> any of the last all the years of cross-cultural ministry. Um, or we'll just save that for our fun stories sure. episode that will come soon enough. Sure, but sure. well, Becca, your story is beautiful. And um, how, if people want to get in touch with you or maybe learn more about Chosen Vessels, what's the best way to um, kind of research more about what Chosen mm-hmm. Vessels is about? Yeah, they can find us at chosenvesselsonline.org. And there is a contact sheet on there as well, as well as kind of my story expanded, written down, um, and some information about our leaders too. So that's a good place. And also Instagram and Facebook, we kind of highlight the people that we serve. Um, and that's Chosen Vessels on both of those. Any other questions you want to ask or anything you want to add since as a co-host? Just keep Keep listening. I think it's going to get really interesting. I think um, that the goal of this podcast, like Becca had said, we just really want to make a resource for our leaders, but we also want to share their story. So like the way we shared Becca's story today, um, we are going to be coming to you soon with the story of Harrison in Ghana, um, Casey in Romania. Um, we have a lot of people lined up that that are just really cool and just really neat to hear the way God is working all over the world. Um, so to just have a hand in that and to be able to see that it's something really special to us. And we just want to communicate that to all of y'all. And we also want to share resources um, for those leaders. Cause again, the goal is to care for leaders. So um, we're going to be coming with resources and um, book recommendations and all of that stuff. So if you have any questions or any thoughts or podcast topics or things that you would want us to address for global missions or leader care. Um, Again, please email Becca or I, you can find all that at chosenvessels.org. Online.org. Chosenvesselsonline.org. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today for the first ever episode of Chosen Voices. We hope you'll subscribe to the show. Our shows are released every Tuesday morning on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We're so excited to share the stories of the leaders we have the privilege of serving, as well as providing resources to continue to encourage, equip, and empower you to serve your communities. Connect with us online at chosenvesselsonline.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram to keep up to date with the newest information on CB. See you next week.